Okay, today's daf is Pesachim daf Ruamid. We are on Chav Tes Amid Beis, about a third of the way down. Amar Rav. So just a little background before we get to the daf. There's a like an introduction to Yaredeah, which we're going to talk about. So just to bring it to life, the CRC recently cert- started certifying Buffalo Trace, a very specific run as kosher. And if you read the back, they literally tell you what's going on. And what happened was, there's an interesting story, I think in 2009, 2010, one of the uh, subsidiaries of Buffalo Trace applied for a for Hashkacha and a vodka company to CRC. So they applied for vodka. Uh, vodka to make kosher vodka is pretty simple, as long as you don't have, you're not doing anything funky in the, in the, look, in the plant. Anyways, the two rabbis go down, they're schmoozing with some of the people in the plant, and they realize that the owners are Jewish. And this company, Buffalo Trace, owns many, many labels. And they find out, you know, right around, uh, it was right after Pesach, but the question was, do they have to send out an alert telling everyone that all these products that are on the market are owned by Jews? The way, you know, bourbon, whiskey, in the industry, it's aged. It's definitely passing by one Pesach, if not seven, you know, Pesachs. So it's definitely Chametz, Sha'avr Lava Pesach, which we're learning the sugas these days that if it's owned by a Jew and it passed over Pesach, right? So either Rabbi Yehuda holds Isra Daraisa, but at least Rabbi Shimon is still Nisra Darabonon, and one cannot eat it. So they had a, one shayla was, do they have to go tell everyone? On one hand, you know, we work in kashras, we should tell people. On the other hand, they already signed the non-disclosure. They can't now go tell everyone which private labels are actually owned by Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace owns maybe 50, 50 different labels. So, uh, so that was a question of, can they? I put the in there. Okay. I thought I muted everyone. I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that was a question in general. Did they have to go tell everyone? What happened was afterwards there was a, a discussion in the Paiskim amongst the, the great Paiskim in Kashras. And different, uh, different things came out from it. Just, just by the way, what's bourbon? Bourbon, in order to be called bourbon, it has to be made from 51% corn, which sounds good. Corn is only kidneyous, so there's no problem. You're allowed to eat it even if a person owned it on Pesach. You're allowed to own it on Pesach. You're allowed, you're allowed to give it to a child. If someone's not feeling well, they can eat kidneyous. So that's good. The problem is there's malted barley and rye alcohol in, in, a, in the bourbon as well. Those are chametz. It's one of the chametz, meaning dagon. It would be rye. Or, or, or uh, barley is also one of the chamesh semini dagon. So the alcohol that comes from those two starches, those two grains, are chametz. So that was a question, is it considered chametz sha'av la So we're going to get back to it. We're going to get back to some of the heterim, why people drink it. You'll see why it makes sense to get ashkacha on this, because it's a whole sogi, a whole shakla v'taria, if or how you could drink it without hashkacha. Now this, the one with hashkacha, they actually sell it. They sold the barrels every year. They did a Kenyan with a, with a Nachri, one of the working managers. He actually owned this, these, uh, this batch. So that's why there's hashkacha on it. Okay. So let's, again, it's very important to do a little background to Yaredea. So this is what people spend six months to a year learning in a smicha program. The discussion of, of uh, when you have a taraivis, when you have things that are mixed together. So there's a, there's a concept of bittel or no bittel. Good to see you. Let's say a person goes on, I don't know, Grubhub or Uber Eats. He orders three burgers, three plain burgers with, a, with bun. You know, burger and bun, no, nothing fancy in it. He orders from two kosher locations and one non-kosher location. He mixes them all up. Now he has three burgers in front of him. 
What's the halacha? He knows two of them came from a kosher place. He ripped up the tape. It was kosher, 100% glock kosher, but now he doesn't know which one is which. He cannot, he cannot uh, identify which one is the kosher one. So the, the Pasuk tells us in Chumash, Achri Rabim Lahata, is that we go by Raif. This works in Bezdin, when you have a Bezdin that are, that are donning Dine Mamanus, Dine Misa, we go by Raif, that if you have, uh, you have a Bezdin of Chav Gimel of 23 and 15 say this person is Chayiv, Misa, eight say he's Pater. And they give the person misa, right? So achri rav mahatay. So halakh is you're allowed to eat the burgers. The question is, what about the third one? Can I eat all three? So that's a discussion in the in the Rishainim. Perhaps there'll be an isidur abundant of mechur hadavar, but from a from a derisa standpoint, that is called bittul baray. Now, what if you had another case? That's called yavish be yavish, where you had two dry, you know, a dry items, and it's. Min it's the same type. It's burgers, same type of burger. So that's called bitul baraiv. You go by achrei rabim lahatos. Okay. Next example. Let's say I had lach belach. I had moish, a liquid and, and another liquid. So I'm cooking a chalent, and I took uh, some some fat, non-kosher fat, beef beef tallow or something, and I pour it into the chalent. Okay. So that's called a lach belach. It's a liquid and a liquid. Do I go by raiv? If I have 30 ounces of chalent and one ounce of, of beef fat, I should go by raiv. Achri rabim lahatais, right? Go by raiv. What do you show and tell? So, <laughs> so the question is, is, does that work? So we know there's a concept of shishim, of something. Where does that come from? So there's a concept of tam ki'ikr, that if there's flavor into, in this mixture, now that it got mixed in, there's tam, there's taste of it, we say tam keiker, it's machlik, because that's a dindaraisa or dindarabanan. Many hold it's a dindaraisa, tam keiker, that the taste in something is considered as if it's still there. And in order for one to be able to eat the chalant, you need to have what we call shishim. Okay, everything I'm saying, there's pages and pages in Shulchan Aruch and Acharonim discussing it. You need shishim. We assume once you have 60 times kosher to one time non-kosher, the non-kosher taste is no longer there, it's no longer noticeable. It's called bitl, bato b'shishim. Here's another interesting question. What if you have something, both items taste the same, one is kosher, one is non-kosher. You have empire chicken fat, and you have Purdue chicken fat, okay? They both taste the same, it's called min b'minai. And you mixed in Purdue chicken fat into your chicken soup, okay? With your, your empire chicken fat, okay? Hot, on the flame, how do I start measuring bitl? Do I go by shishim, 60 times empire to one time Purdue? That should work. Or do I say, no, here it's the same taste. So there's two ways to view this. One way, this is how we paskin, is the sheet of the chachamim. We're going to mention it throughout today's daf, and again, often throughout shas, is that the whole concept of shishim is when I'm tasting the non-kosher in my, in, in my challenge. So therefore, I need to have 60 times the amount so I know, I, I know I'm not tasting the non-kosher. Over here, they both taste the same. So it's bottle. I'm, I'm never going to taste the non-kosher. I don't need the non-kosher. So as long as I have roiv kosher, I'm allowed to eat it because it's not enhancing the taste. And we say min b'minoi, midaraisa. Again, this all midaraisa. Don't do anything at home from this dot. There's too many details. Min b'minoi, midaraisa is bottle baraiv. That's one opinion. The other opinion says the opposite, like David was shaking his head, the opposite. Bittal works when I have A versus B, and A swallows up the taste of B. But if A and B taste the same, 
So when I'm tasting it, I'm tasting A and B every single time. Every single taste of soup, I'm tasting kosher soup and non-kosher soup. It's the same exact thing, right? There, were, there was no bittel. There needs to be a battle in order for bittel, and that's the pinny Rebbe Huda. Read the whole, it's min bimino, it's the same exact thing. Never bottle. Ain't a bottle, it's never bottle. I feel about Aleph even a thousand times because it's the same taste, and where's the nullification happening? Okay, now going back to the bourbon for just a minute, there are th- there's two or three types of alcohol in a, in a standard bourbon. One of them is corn. The corn alcohol is, is your classic ethanol that you find in the, in the United States. The ethyl alcohol is coming from corn. The, the, the rye alcohol is also ethanol. It's technically considered ethanol. And you have barley ethanol. So the question is, is ethanol considered the same thing? Three types of ethanol, and therefore 51% is bourbon, and it's bato barayv, right? Because it's min bimina. You go with the shita chachamim. Or do we say, as Rabowski argued, no, each ethanol has its own flavor component. It's totally different. It's doing different things. The rye is flavoring it. The corn is just cheap, and it gives you the alcoholic content, but there is flavor. There's a difference between uh, a standard uh, a corn ethanol versus a, a rye ethanol. Now, if you would do... It's not pure ethanol. It's not pure. If you would, if you would distill it again, you would get... Uh, I forgot what it's called. It's called... Um, it's called... Grain. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm tired. It's called um, grain-neutral spirits. If you would, if you would, if you would uh, do it again, if you distill it twice, you get something called grain-neutral spirits, which is your classic vodka. And your standard person cannot tell the difference if your vodka is from potatoes, if your vodka came from corn, from rye. Some people could tell, but for most people, vodka is vodka. <laughs> it, just, it tastes like alcohol, right? So yeah, you're right. If you do grain-neutral spirits, it's not grain-neutral spirits. Look at, it, look at the color. It's not grain-neutral spirits. OK, so that's the question which we're going to come back to. Is that considered min biminoi or not min biminoi? So let's see the Gemara. OK, we have a lot to do, but we'll, 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 uh, we'll try to fill in the blanks with some of the halacha lemaisa. I'm a rav. Chametz bismanoi, chametz on Pesach. That gets mixed in, the, in a taruvas. Bein biminoi, bein shloibminoi. Whether the chametz fell into minoi, well, the example we'll give is matzamil. You had kosher Pesach matzamil, and you had your non-kosher Pesach matzamil get mixed together. Or bein shloibminoi, the chametz, you know, cookie crumbs fall into your dish. Usser, you're not allowed to eat it. It's not butto. Shloibismanoi, if it's after Pesach, so biminoi usser. If you have chametz shavel of a Pesach that fell into kosher lepesach matzamil, usser it's usser. But shaloi biminoi, if it fell in in a different mixture, it fell into something else. Mutter bimutter. So what's going on? So what's this What's the scenario that Rav is talking about? Ilema benoisin time. If you're telling me it fell into a taruvas, it fell into a mixture. And it's been nice in time, which means there is no 60 times that amount. So just the definition is nice in time. We assume it gives taste to this mixture. You don't have 60 against it. So then, shaloi bismanoi, shaloi biminoi. Mutter, I don't understand. He said that if after Pesach, it falls into a taruvas, as long as it's shaloi biminoi, it's a different type of food, it's mutter. Hold on a second. You told me the scenario is hayav taima. It's giving taste. So if, it's la- if you don't have shishim against it, if you have your chametz, if Cheerios that was owned by a Jew and it fell into a soup, and you don't have 60 times the amount, it's giving taste. So the Gemara says, you're right, we're talking about a small amount, a crumb. A crumb fell in. That's the case we're talking about. 
So let's continue and explain. On Pesach, whether it fell into other matzah meal, so, you know, chametz meal falling into matzah meal, or fell into something else, Aser, why? Rav Rav holds, was going according to his opinion. To Rav they both say, all Yisurin in the Taira, if they got mixed in to its own kind, Right, the Purdue chicken and the Empire chicken, Bemashu, even the smallest amount answers it. There is no bitl, right? That was the opinion that was one of the opinions we said before. And Shalaibimina, if it was a different flavored item, then we go by the taste. So the Benaisin Tam, which we know as Shishim. Okay? Rav Gazar Hamas Bismana Shalabismana. So what's Rav adding? Rav says not only is it also during the year, but here we go, here here's a here's the detail that what we care about when it comes to Pesach. That even when it fell into something, shalabiminai, the matzim, the, the non-kosher, the, the chametz, you know, meal falls into shalabiminai, falls into something else. Even though really it should be batubashishim, sixty times its amount, we make a gzera, gaza chametz bizmanai, shalabiminai. There's a gzera on pesach that if you would say, we'll just go by shishim. That if a little bit of chametz fell into your soup, you'll say, okay, we have shishim against it. I'm concerned the chametz is going to fall into matzah, so it's grain and grain, or similar uh, or identical taste. That's it. Period. That I'm concerned that the same chametz would fall into matzah that has the same taste. And there, Rav holds, it's never bottle. So I'm making a gzera in a case where it would be two different types, where typically you would say, as long as I have shishim, it's fine. I'm concerned that it might fall into its own kind, and it would never be bottle. What about the next case? What about chametz after Pesach? If it, if it gets mixed into its own kind, uh, Kosher le Pesach matzamil. So then, Kirab Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds, Chamet Shlebizmana is Asim in yesterday's daf. And therefore, if it's Min Biminai, right? It's a classic Isser. Look in Yaradeh, according to Rabbi according to Rav, Min Biminai is never bottle. So even after Pesach, if that's what we're talking about, it's never bottle. What about Shlebizminai, where typically you go by Shishim? He says there it's mutter. Ah, how come on Pesach you are machmir and after Pesach you make them? Because the shalayb is machmir, shalayb mina, ato mina, kuli halal gazuna. I'm not going to make gzera that the chametz after Pesach, which if a person eats, is not even chayav kare. It's not the same level. Isser, I'm not going to make gzera that if you would allow people to go by shishim, shalayb aminoi, it might fall in aminoi and you wouldn't realize, right? Oh, that's too much of gzera. Okay, that is the sheet of Rav. Shmuel Amar, chametz bezmanoi, chametz in its time, which means on Pesach that gets mixed into biminoi in its same type, aser, shuloi biminoi. If it gets mixed into a different type, mutter. It's mutter, right? even on Pesach. What about shuloi bismane? What about after Pesach? Bein biminoi, bein shuloi biminoi, mutter. It's always going to be mutter. And the Gemara is going to explain what shmuel means. So chametz bismane, biminoi, aser. So shmuel atamei, shmuel goes according to what he holds. The rav of shmuel, they both say that the same thing we just mentioned before. That standard iser treif that if it falls into empire chicken, it's aser b'mashu. If it falls into 
it's been nice in time. Okay, but the difference between Shmuel and Rav is that Shmuel is no Gezerah. So as long as it's Shalai B'minan, there's no Gezerah. So it's Batu B'shishim. What about Shalai B'smanai? What about after Pesach? So Bein B'minan, Bein Shalai B'minan Mutarn. Shmuel is always Mutar. If Chametz after Pesach fell into something, there's no problem. Why? Kirebi Shimon, he holds the Grab Shimon who holds that there is no Isser Midaraisa to eat. Like I was going to ask in a few minutes, I told us in this Rabbanan. But for now, let's see, let's assume we're dealing with the Araisas, and according to Shmuel, he goes like Rab Shimon, and Chamet Shalabizmana is not Asur Minataira. Okay. Rabbi Yechnan Amar, Rabbi Yechnan says, Chamet Bizmana, Bain Bimina, Bain Shalab Mini Asur. Rabbi Yechnan has a different opinion. Chamet's on Pesach, whether it fell into its own type or a different type. So then, Ben Oysen Tam. That, so it's usur binois and tamis. It will be usur up until sixty times its amount. But shaloi bismanoi after pesach, which means chametz shalal pesach, bein b'minan, bein shaloi b'minan mutter. It's always going to be mutter. Why is this? So once again, we're going to get into the mina potatoes here. Chametz bismanoi, bein b'minan bein shaloi b'minoi binois and tam. Why? Rabbi Yechonon letamei. Rabbi Yechonon goes according to his reasoning. Rabbi Yechonon v'reish lakash amet avayu kol yisurin shabat tayra. All is from the time being b'mina and being shlimim and b'nois in time. Rabbi Yechon has a middle opinion. We didn't mention this before. Rabbi Yechon holds we always go by shishim as long as you have sixty times its amount. It's always mutter. So put up for, for a rabbi. All he has to know is shishim. As long as you have shishim, you're good to go. So therefore, he holds that min b'mina is bato b'shishim and min shlimim is also bato b'shishim. Everything is b'nois in time. What about Shaloi Bismana? <laughs> Meaning he doesn't hold to this din of Chametz being Asr B'mashahu. Doesn't work. And Shaloi Bismana, after Pesach, Chametz Shalav Pesach, Bein B'mina, Bein Shlavina, Mutarin, doesn't make a difference. It's always Mutter if there's a Taroivis, if there's a mixture. Kerebi Shimon, he holds the Kerebi Shimon. And we're going to explain how he passed him. So the Gemara says like this, Amar Rava, Hilchus Halach is like this, Chametz Bismana, Bein B'mina, Bein Shalav B'mina, Asr B'mashahu, Kerav. We're going to go like Rav's opinion, well, not entirely, but to some extent, that on Pesach itself, chametz bismanim, which means on Pesach itself, so you, you call your Rav, you're making chicken soup on Pesach, and you open the wrong uh, item or something. It could happen. Very, very rare that it would happen, but you took your, you, you thought you took, uh, I don't know, you're making meatballs, and you took non-kosher Pesach breadcrumbs, which are 100% chametz, and you used that, you thought you took the wrong item, and you made meatballs with this breadcrumbs. Halach is, we don't care, shishim, elef, too bad. It's bein b'minoi, bein shloi b'minoi, aser. Bimashu, even with the smallest amount. Kirav, like Rav said. What about after Pesach? Shloi b'zmanoi, bein b'minoi, bein shloi b'minoi, mutter, kirav shimin. We go like Rav Shimon that there is no Isser of Chametz after Pesach. Fred the Gemara, hold on a second. How could Rav say like this? Rav Shimon there's a Knas. You're right. There's no Isser Daraisa of eating Chametz after Pesach, but there's a Knas. Since you violated by Rabbi Yamatzei, there's a Knas. There should be an Isser Darabanan on Chametz. So if that Isser gets mixed into other items, it should be a regular Isser Darabanan. If you have, you know, Trefus that we only are machmen for the rabbanon, right? Or I don't know, you have things that are asr mid rabbanon. Chalas chutzlaras. There's a halacha of bittel, so you need bittel. But why are we saying it's it's always going to be mutter? So the Gemara says, 
The knas of the chachamim is only when the chametz was be'en. When I have chametz be'en, I see the chametz. I have a you know I have a piece of bread. That's where the there's a knas derabanan. That since you violated byra byematze when it was be'en, so there's a knas. Avalide taroivus like when it when it's in a mixture, there is no knas. Let's just keep going and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll sum it up. Rava goes according to his shita. When I was in the house of Rav Nachman, when seven days passed, which is interesting, seven days, they lived in Bavel, eight days, go and buy chametz from the people, from the soldiers. Remember that we had the soldiers a few, uh, in the first parak regarding Badika's chametz. Go buy Chametz from them. I guess they made they, had, they owned a pizza store back then, because chametz shalav pesach is mutter minatayra for yidin for goyim. There's a knas derabanan if it was owned by a Jew, but these were not owned by Jews, and therefore you're allowed to go get the pizza from them. So first of all, just before we get we go back, one of the questions that the Rishonim are bothered with is: Isn't there a problem of pas akum? You're not allowed to eat uh, bread from a uh, from an achri. How are they allowed to eat it? So some Rishonim explain it. They were they weren't buying the actual bread, they were buying dough. They were buying pizza dough and they're making their own pizza, matzah Pesach. Some of the Rishonim learned that, what do I mean? We, the Chayiso never accepted the Xerah, but the, the problem is the names don't fit, because Rav Nachman and Masechus of Adizara held that we did accept the Xerah. Another hetar is found by the Shilas Yaivitz is that maybe it was past Palter. They were considered uh, you know, distributors or bakers that we would call it, and therefore there was no Xerah on that, since there's no chasas, there's no close relationship when you go to the store and purchase the bread. Okay, let's just sum up what we just did. So, we got into a lot of things here. Chomet Sha'avalava Pesach, that we already spoke about, you know, a few days ago. We know there's a machlekes of Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. If there's an Issa Daraisa, or according to Rabbi Shimon, there's only an Issa Darabanan. But then we segued into the concept of chametz. Does it ever become batal? So, when you have a question of chametz, so it, it makes a difference when you're asking the question. So many of our wives would never believe this, but they could, it could actually take, let's go back to our breadcrumbs case. You take breadcrumbs, you make meatballs, unless you're a yeshiva kitchen, you probably have shishim against the, the meatballs and the sauce and everything else in the, you know, and you use a little, some breadcrumbs in your mixture. If you made it before Pesach, most of our bottom will tell you, it's bato, you're allowed to eat the meatballs, say their night, if as long as you made it before Pesach, it's about the Bashishim. Okay? It's mutter, 100% mutter. What if you did it on Pesach? So halach is bimashu, even the smallest amount, is a problem. So even if you put a, two, two crumbs from the breadcrumbs into your meatballs, so then you would not be able to eat your, your, your uh, meatballs on Pesach. You've got to throw it in the garbage. Yes? Hypothetically speaking, if someone were to make a lot of meatballs and the sauce that they used, they thought was kosher Pesach, so depend, depending on the rabbi, the, the, the more knowledgeable he is in the world of kashras, so it, it, it would help. <laughs> let's say you made five to ten. So pounds. let's say you made meatballs and you use soy sauce. Soy sauce is one of the common condiments that actually contain wheat. Most of the products we have, even if they're not kosher Pesach, our corn syrup, eh, eh, soy sauce has wheat in it, usually. And that's, a, 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 a it's usually, usually the vinegar is coming from Kinius. Depending on the shell, before Pesach, I'd be making on the second. It wouldn't even be a question. But on Pesach, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the company. You could, sometimes you could look into it. You could say a company maybe is a non-GMO type of company. They'll use a, a wheat type of starch, but usually it's going to come from other places. I'm not telling you to use it because, first of all, we don't need Kinius. I mean, usually Kinius is bottle. And 
whatever. It's not, not something to, you don't know, Kalim, there's other issues why you wouldn't want to eat it on Pesach. But if someone used it before Pesach, you know, someone put it into a mixture by mistake before Pesach. Prepping food for Pesach. Yeah, usually it's fine. Usually, usually, again, in general, the worst shilas people ask is the one, the worst shilas people have is the ones that they don't, they don't ask, you know? Sometimes there's, there's an Eitzah, usually there's an Eitzah. I, people, I've heard of crazy stories where people have really messed up their kitchen. But uh, again, we had this story last year, someone took matzah that was chametz and fried it and baked it, did a lot of things with it on Pesach. That, that's a real problem, I can't find a heter for that. But other things, just in America, many things do not use wheat, they use, they use uh, corn. But soy sauce. Hypothetically, what they soy did sauce. was they just put it in the freezer and used it for but they made it on Pesach? No. no. Okay. Fine. That's also fine. No problem. Also, some people are just not going to eat it. They just can't get themselves to eat it. Okay. So what if it happened on Pesach? Used soy sauce. A drop of soy sauce in your recipe. There's a little wheat in it. A little, little wheat, right? Halacha is, it's never going to be bottle. Chametz on Pesach is not bottle. Just but. Yeah, with a little wheat. The wheat in it is. Oh, would you have? So next you go kosher, but you would not be able to. Uh, oh, it goes into the pot. I forgot. It goes into the pot. It's it's, it's maybe it's called trema shoes. I don't want to say offhand, off the cuff, but 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 the the food itself is definitely awesome. Okay, now this is only this to the rabbanon that the chametz mashu. Just by the way, quickly, why are we so machmer and chametz being us mashu? We don't pass them like this minimum in our business. So. Rashi gives you two reasons. One of them is that there's a chi of kares, avini chametz, so therefore it makes sense to be more machmer. Additionally, it's, it's mutter the entire year. So in order to get people to stay away from it, we are machmer it, that it's asr b'mashu. A third reason found in many Rishonim, interesting reason, we ha- we'll have this in Masechus Beitza, chametz is a davr shiyesh l'matirin, something that if you would have waited, it would have been fine. So therefore there's a halacha, if you could have waited to eat something, so then it's not going to be... Uh, it's not going to be bottles. Since Midaraisa could have waited till after Pesach, we passed Nakrab Shimon, so it's not bottle even on Pesach. Okay. That's talking about chametz that fell into your mixture on Pesach itself. If it happened on Pesach, garbage. If it happened before Pesach, ask a Shiloh. Usually uh, you'll have you'll have bitl, depending on the situation. Now, what if it happened after Pesach? Which means you took chametz that you bought from the store, you assumed that the store sold its chametz. You realize afterwards now it was a kosher-owned store. They didn't sell their chametz, okay? And you bought 100% chametz. Now you mixed it. You bought the same breadcrumbs that we're talking about. And you made, you made meatballs. You made burgers out of it. Although a good chef will tell you, don't put breadcrumbs in, meat, in burgers. But let's see, you did it anyways. Azoya, you know, now that's, that's what they do in the Heim. Okay, so you have your breadcrumbs and ketchup in your burgers. Don't do it. <laughs> anyways, how do we go with bitol? So. Rabbi Shimon said, we're, we're learning Rabbi Shimon that this whole thing was just a knas. So as long as it's not chametz be'en, there is no knas. That's how we pass. We pass that there's no knas as long as there's no chametz be'en. What does this mean? Some hold it means you need to have shishim 60 times the amount, even after Pesach. What's accepted in the halacha, Mishabur, based on the Magan Avram, is that as long as you have roiv, as long as you have roiv against the, the chametz now, then it's bottle barayv, meaning the knas is bottle barayv, you could be makel on that. So if someone would have taken something, or another example of bittel barayv would be, let's say you have three bottles of, uh, three, three bottles of beer, right? And you don't know, you know that some of them are, you know, produced before Pesach and already in the gas stations which are not owned by Jews, and some of them were, were distributed by the Jewish-owned, you know, distributor on Pesach. You have 
If you have Raif, you can also be Mako. That would also be a, a concept of Bittah Raif. What if it happened before Pesach? What if the Chametz got mixed in before Pesach, but it was already in a Taruva, so it was already in a mixture? When we said that La'achar Pesach, after Pesach, there's no problem, because the whole thing was a Knas, right? Does that mean that the mixture took place after Pesach? Or even if the mixture took place before Pesach or on Pesach, doesn't make a difference. Chazal, whenever Geyser Knas, the Chametz Sha'avah Pesach, when there's a mixture. There's a Magan Avram that says this. The Magan says we don't care, even if it happened on Pesach itself or before Pesach, let's, let's go with before Pesach, there will be no problem as long as it's about to arrive. All the Achronim arguing him, but that is one heter that would definitely work for this, is that it was about to arrive, right? And there's no class when you have bit to arrive. Most of the place can argue with him. There's a discussion of how much chametz a person would be able to drink pras, so you can start doing the math, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it for afterwards. One more, we, we gotta rush. Okay, let's do it quickly, yeah? So uh, just two more things that come up from this. Number one is that, what about before Pesach? We didn't speak about before Pesach itself. So we know there's an Easter to, ready, to, to start eating chametz already after chatzais. You're not allowed to eat chametz. Is there a problem of mashahu after chatzais? Or maybe that's only on Pesach itself. This Easter mashahu. What's the nafkamina? What nafkamina be kashering kalim? When you kasher kalim, so you're dealing with, there might be some bleed still left in it. Another thing would be, interesting question is, can a person go get a Starbucks coffee Erev Pesach after chatzais, right? There might be chametz there, but it'll be a mashahu. Coffee beans are kosher, right? There's no, there's no problem with chametz there. Maybe the guy's spitting it, I don't know. So if there's an issue of chametz be mashahu, one can start thinking about it. Maybe you shouldn't buy the coffee. But some so could argue. What? No, so chalamai is on Pesach itself. We're machmer for every single thing. If the, if the coffee uh, thing bad, ever, ever washed in hot water with, with a chametz item, you, you can't eat that. But before Pesach, maybe we don't have all these chumras after chatzais. Okay, let's keep going, okay? There's a, there's a, again, every, every line here is, you can spend months on. Amar Rav, so another, uh, another uh, heavy-duty Pesach sugya. Kedairois, when it comes to pots, and this is talking about cheres, earthenware pots, the Pesach yishavru, that they, ha- that they should be broken on Pesach. What does that mean? You cannot use them... Uh, because you cooked chametz in them, and therefore every every year Pesach time you gotta break them. What's going on here? So there's a concept of, of hechsher kalim. We know from the pesukim by Midian that that the uh, that the Yidden were told to go kasher their items, kasher the clay Midian. However, when the Torah doesn't mention anything about klicheres in that parsha. There's a in parsha Sav, the Torah tells us by the carbon chatas. By klicheres, uh, it says yishavar. You have to break it. There's no way to kasher it. So Rav says, and we're going to get this is this is actually the makar for the whole discussion of kashering earthenware. We'll talk about ovens, and we don't have that much time. We'll talk about self cleaning ovens. If you have enamel ovens, so hold on. Kedayrois, when it comes to pots of klicheres, the pesach yishavar, you have to break them. There's no way to fix it, and and it, it was accepted blias of chametz, and you cannot kasher it. Va'amai. The Gemara, why do you have to break it? Just leave it until after Pesach, and then only use it for things that are shalei Use it for non-chametz, non, uh, non-that type. Let's say it was used for bread. Don't use it for bread anymore. Use it for, I don't know, something else. Meat, 
and make sure you always have shishim against the bliyas. And I could theoretically use it. Yeah, you're right. You technically could. There's a xera that you might end up using it for the same min. And this is going to, like that sheet that holds, min bimina is never bottled even after Pesach. Shmuel says, no, you don't have to break it. I just put it away until after Pesach. You can use it. Because again, according to Shmuel, Chamet, Shavu, Pesach will always be bottled as long as it's not sitting in front of you, you know, as long as it's not a loaf of bread, it would always be about the vaza shmuel tomate, There were those that we used to sell pots. So there was a Yiddish Geshaft. So Ashvu Zvini Akandaichu. He told them to lower your prices because what happened, what happened was that people would, would go with Rav's Shita and they would replace their Klicheres every single you know, after Pesach, it was a shopping spree, and these people would jack out the prices. So Shmuel told them, lower the prices. If not, I'm going to publicize that I argue with Rav. I'm going to tell you that I passed like Rav Shimon, that there's no problem. You don't need to get a new Kalim. So why didn't he just darshan? If this is what he holds, let him darshan, and why can't he argue with Rav? Throughout Shas, Shmuel always argues with Rav. So the Gemara says, Asra to Rav. It was Rav's shtat. Rav was the more of the Asra. It was not covetic for him to go argue on Rav. Next, there's a lot to take from that, but we'll keep going. There was a certain oven that was they used the tail, the fat of a tail, schmaltz, to, to uh, grease the oven. So we're getting into two, two topics here, three topics. One of them is the halach of making dairy bread or fleshic bread. Today, it's more common to have dairy bread. That's one question. We're going to again discuss the Heksher Kalim, had a kasher and oven. And we're going to talk about the unique nature of Klicheres of earthenware Kalim. So you had an oven that was the release agent, the, the, the shmir. The oil was, was kosher meat, but it was fleshics. Asara Rava Ba'ar He said, You cannot eat bread that was baked in it because there's an isser of making milchik bread and making fleshy bread. That sugi is on daflam and vav. We'll talk about Thomas English muffins, how it's O-U-D, or we have C-R-C-D English muffins. How does that come if you cannot make milchik bread? We'll talk about that soon. It says you cannot eat that bread, afilu b'milcha, even with salt, meaning you're not eating, you're not eating a pastrami sandwich. You cannot eat, or this would be a fleshy, you're not eating a cheese, grilled cheese. You're just eating bread and salt. Since it was made on fleshy kalim, you cannot eat it. Even if, I mean, the fleshy was kosher. It's too bad. And la'olam, you can never use this oven. That's the important part of this sugya. You can never use this oven again because, because, uh, because it has treif, it has has buster in it, and you're going to end up using it for bread. If I make bread with it, I might eat it with cheese. I can never use this oven for bread. You might dip it into your dairy uh, dip. Okay, so that's the gemara. I'll ask you, Kasher. You tell me, I can never kasher this oven. I let's see the following price in Lush Nazi Bachal if you not need dairy dough, Vim Lush, and if you needed the dough and you actually baked it, Kola Pas Kula Suri cannot eat the bread. Because people are gonna end up eating a pastrami sandwich with this bread that's milk. Now again there are ways to do it. We'll talk about that in five dots, so hold on. similarly You cannot a line, you cannot uh, grease the oven with tail. Vim tush, if you did it, kola pas kula asura, the entire bread is asur. Oh, but wait, but if I kasher my oven, I could indeed use this oven next time, right? You're allowed to kasher the oven to yufta the ravabar aliloi to yufta. You see, it's a bomb kasher on ravabar. He said, You cannot kasher the oven. 
forever. It's always, you can never use it for bread because it's a fleshig oven. You see what I mean? I could kosher it. As long as I was yasig it, I, I heated it up. We self-cleaned it, right? It's The Gemara says, tak is a tiyofta. But we're not done yet. Now that we, add, we, add, we, we have this tiyofta, let's go back to what we said a few lines ago. Why did Rav announce Kederos, and we have this whole you know, Yiddish sugar chef, the people selling pots after Pesach, because everybody would throw out their pots. Why did Rav say Kederos about Pesach Yishovru? Why did he say that the earthenware Kederos, the the pots or pans had to be, you had to break it. You couldn't use it because they were used for chametz the entire year and you couldn't kasher it. So, the case of the oven, it was talking about a metal oven. It was a stainless steel oven, right? And that you could kasher. We know you're allowed to kasher metal. Rav was talking about cheres. Both the oven and the keli were cheres, but there's a difference in how it was heated up. The oven has the fire inside the oven. Again, those, those days they had the coals. We know from Shabbos days, Misafta Shabbos, Shemi the coals were in the oven, and therefore it gets really hot, and it kashers it. And these only heat it up from the outside, the pot, and therefore it doesn't heat it to the level needed to kasher. We don't know what that is yet. We'll get to it soon. Okay, so take coals and put it inside the pot. Want to do that? So the Gemara says famous words, There's a concern if a person would actually heat up to that amount, to that heat, there's a concern it's going to crack. And therefore, Chazal were concerned you, won't do a, you will not do a good kashering. And therefore, you're not allowed to kosher. Which, by the way, in kosherous agencies, we typically, in our contracts, we have a waiver that if we ever kosher equipment, we're not, we're not responsible because otherwise you can't kosher anything. If you're scared it's going to break, how could you kosher a piece of equipment? So what we usually do is we let the company kosher. We're not doing it ourselves. But otherwise, there is a concern. So the Gemara says, You have this buchya, which was like this uh, pancake maker, which was like a brick that you used to put your crepes and pancakes. It's heated from the outside. The usher, you're not allowed to kosher it for Pesach. We don't kosher things that cannot get heated up to that amount. But if you fill it up with coals, then shopper dummy, that is indeed a good koshering. Okay, so just by the way, just quickly with the, with the self-clean oven, m- most pies can assume that is called Malia Gumri. You're heating it up to very high temperatures. It's designed to be done like that, although there are crazy stories, not so crazy. Every year people uh, break their ovens out of Pesach, but officially it's supposed to work like that. You, you hit on, and there's no concern it's going to break. So that would be considered, even if you have a porcelain enamel oven, which is klicheres according to many Paiskim, you would still be able to kosher it for Pesach, or kosher during the year, if you made a trade. Let's keep going. these knives, How do you kosher knives for Pesach? I buy new ones every year. very nice. You're very wealthy. For other people who don't just buy knives every year, my, what should we do? How do we kosher our knives? Well, well, they didn't buy it, but they had Pesach, you know, Pesach dishes and hummus dishes, Amalei. I don't really buy new ones. I mean, I, mean, I mean to say that I make it new. How do I do it? I kosher it. How do you kosher knives? The problem is you put the handle in the fire. You're not going to have a handle anymore. So first I wrap the handle in clay 
uparzali binurah. Then I put the blade in the fire. Now the blade is the is the one that contacts the fire. That's you're slicing your shawarma, so that gets really hot. So the blade, according to this shita, needs libun. You're putting it in the fire. What about the handle? How do I cash the handle? So after I heated up the blade in the fire, I take off the clay. And I put the knife in a boiling hot water, your hagala process. However, nobody does this. For Pesach, when it comes to the handle, when it comes to the actual blade, all you need to do is a raisin or klirishan, which we call mala resicha two twelve. You do uh, you do hagala on the knife. Just by the way, wh- why? If I'm putting my knife in the fire itself, so isn't that a problem? I need. To, we know there's a concept of kibboila kachpolta. I have to kasher the same way it was used. If it was used, well, shawarma is not chametz. But let's say I was using it, uh, you know, with with uh, in in the oven with bread. Shouldn't I need to do libun? So there's two different opinions of why you don't. And it's machlekes the mechaber and the ramah. The Ramah says, Chametz is really called Hetera Bala. Chametz is not Isser Bala, it's Hetera Bala. Chametz is Mutter during the year, and therefore it needs a lower level of kashering, which would be Hagala or, or Libun Kao. By the way, this is a tremendous cool. If someone doesn't want to self-clean their oven, they don't have to do it. They could just do it at 500 degrees, because according to the Ramah, Chametz is Hetera Bala. That's just one opinion, how to answer the Gemara. There's another opinion that we don't, we go by Roif Tashmisha. When you kasher something, you have to kasher it from its typical use, not this crazy use. So knives, we're not typically used to stick it into the fire. Once in a while, you would have to you know, do something. People put their hands in the toaster. So therefore, you would not need to do that type of serious kashering. Okay, we'll finish, we'll finish, we'll finish it off. Amar Avuna Bred Rav Yeshua eats par. You have a mixing spoon, so that's used in, bo- in a boiling soup pot. So Magila Bereslin and Bechlirishan, that's how you kasher it. Kasava Keboiloi, Kach Polter, the way it came in, that's the way the Isra is going to go out. Bo Minim Meamema, they asked the following shot from Meamema. Hani Money de Kunya, which means you had a Klicheres pot, pan, that was covered with lead, or some people learn it was glass. This is actually the source for the, for the discussion of kashering glass. Maalish Tamushi Baba Pisla, can you use it on Pesach? So Yeruka Lati the green covering, you should not ask the Vade Assyrians for sure, because it absorbs, it's very absorbent, and therefore you're never going to get out the Chametz. Kiti Bayelach, what? Sorry, it's the green Cheres. The question is, the, does the lead, is the lead the only thing that gets Chametz or the inside Cheres? The lead I have no problem, like a kasher. The Torah tells me it's one of the six metals the Torah says you can kasher. But the inside, is the inside going to be able to be kashered? So the black ones and the white ones, my. So when there's cracks, don't ask because the Siri. That's for sure, because you're never going to get it out. The she when it's smooth, my. And some people say glass is smooth, and there should be no problem. So I see that it's sweating on the outside of it, meaning on the chara side there's some sweat. Alma Bali Vasiri, obviously it's absorbing and it's Asir Vatoira Heida, Klicheras. The Torah says testimony, Klicheras is a parasha sav. Shaniyatimi de doifil alam. You cannot do hagala on Klicheras. Just by the way, there's two ways to kasher. One way is Libun. The way the Prima Gadam understands Libun means you're burning out whatever taste would be there. And you could do that with Klicheras. You could burn out your oven. The concern is I might crack it. There's a concern to Rabbanon that I have to be comfortable doing it. So if it's a standard way to do it, that's fine. That's one way of kashering. The other way of kashering is hagala, where you, where you take the plate and you put it in hot water. You take your silverware, how, how does that work? You're not burning out the blia. You're causing the blia to come out. That's kibboile, the way, same way it went in, it's going to come out. 
by klicheres, it never comes out. You cannot do hagala on klicheres. You go to libo, and the problem is exerid rabbanon. You might get, crack it. Fine. So how come when it comes to yainasa, which means here stam yainam wine from anachu the darosh mirim ramani the kunya? If you bought klicheres, you went to a, a garage sale, you bought this type of of cups. You're always allowed to use this. How come by Stam Yayin we're Mako? By Chamas we're Machmer. So what? Called the Tikkun Rabban came to Raisa Tikkun. When they were Masakin the Dinim of Yayin, Stam Yayin, Stam Yayin, they should also be Masakin the same way of Isurim Der Raisa, Samalei, Zetashmisha Yayadei Chamin, Zetashmisha Yayadei Tzern. It depends. There are two different discussions here. By the Chametz case, we're talking about things that were used bechamen, your your plate that you would put in the oven. But this, just a cup of wine, it was tashmisha. I did sign in, and therefore we were mako. I'm a rava bar abba, rabbiya bar ashi, I'm a shmuel. Kol akelim shenishnam shem chametz but sign in. Anything that was used for cold chametz, you didn't use it for hot. So mishdamish behen matzah, you could use it on Pesach, no problem. So let's say you had a a cup for your I don't know. Your, your drinking cup. Never used it for hot. Halach is you'd be allowed to use it for, for Pesach. Chutzman Besar, except for the keli that used to contain the sourdough. The sourdough was a very sharp uh, food. The, the taste would get into the, the walls of the keli. Amravashu Bes Haroises, which means like your haroises, your dips, your vinegar dips, which are very sharp. It's kebes kashadami, and it would get into the walls. Which uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in Chulin regarding kavush, but there will be there will be a concern if those were chametz, if you used wheat vinegar, you will not be able to use those things on Pesach. Amarava hani agne de the bowls that they would need the dough in. Since they they uh, would always need and leave chametz there, it's There's a lot of yeast going on, a lot of action, and therefore you should not use it on Pesach. Samar says pshita. isn't it it's obvious? You just told me. That base or is a problem, so for sure, agne de mechayz would be a problem. So the Gemara says, "Mal temor thought to say, even the ravicha shalabu avir." Since it's wider, there's more space. It could be it's not so such a compressed, you know, concentrated taste. V'lay bali, and it doesn't get into the walls. Unlike the the uh, base sa'ar, which was a small jar that that was stuffed in with the sourdough. Kamashmul, no, it's still a problem. There's still some flavor there, and therefore you cannot use it. Even though if it's only used for cold, you cannot use it for Pesach. Uh, tomorrow we'll do the next Mishnah, which has nothing to do with our sugya until now. Get into a whole different discussion, very lamdish din of borrowing chametz, nachri, and mashkoin. A lot of good stuff coming up. Mitzvah tomorrow.